Reflections are in the eye of the beholder. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I want to talk about the case of Michael Tavis. Michael was born in 1944, and he grew up in Los Angeles. He went to medical school at UCLA and became one of the top surgeons in California. He was living in Petaluma, which is north of San Francisco. He was married to an attorney, and they had two children together. After years of busy schedules, the marriage fell apart, so they decided to get a divorce in 1995. Michael was a free spirit, and he loved to draw. He decided to take a pottery class, and while he was there, he met Deborah Siegmund. She was also newly single, just got divorced from her husband, and had a daughter. She was working as a debt consultant. They really hit it off. He thought she was beautiful and she was fun. In 1996, they got married in Paris. When they got back, she joined his plastic surgery practice and she was the consultant. She would help patients learn of the risks, make sure that they're mentally fit for surgery, and also help them with the aftercare. The surgeries he performed are your normal, you know, your lipo, facelifts, nose jobs, and the ever-so-loved boob job. On the morning of July 3rd in 1997, Dr. Tavis and Deborah were running late for an 8.30 appointment that they had that day. Deborah kept trying to reach Kay Carter, who was the office manager, so she could let her know that they were on their way, but, you know, they're running late, just so they could let the patient know. But there was no answer. His practice was in, like, an office complex. When they pull into this complex, they can see Kay's car, so they know she's there, but they also see that their patient that was due at 8.30 was still standing outside. They found this to be very odd. Deborah went in through the front door, made her way over to a mirror so she could touch up her makeup for the day, and Dr. Tavis entered through the employee entrance, which was in the back. That entrance pretty much takes you to their kitchen, where he probably thought he was going to find Kay. Her desk was over in that area. While Deborah was touching up, she could hear two voices. One was her husband, and the other one was a woman. At first, she figured it was Kay, but as she listened a little more, she noticed that she didn't recognize the voice. In a quiet, controlled tone, the woman said, I've seen 28 surgeons. She heard her husband reply, I'm sorry, I care. Then all of a sudden, gunshots. Deborah was terrified. She ran out the door and went to another office that was in the business complex, and that's when she called 911. Dr. Tavis was shot once in the chest, once in the side, and two in the back. You could tell he was trying to get away from whoever it was and was running towards the waiting room. Kay was also shot. She was shot in the face. When police arrived, she was still alive. She was fighting for her life. They found Kay in her office, pretty much at her desk. So what they figured was she probably came in, started coffee, went to her desk to start getting things ready for the day. And she never made it to the front door to let in the patient because she was already shot. Police had a big task on their hands. They had to try to find the shooter. They went to each office that was in that complex to see if anyone had came in, if they'd seen anything. They had to make sure the shooter wasn't still around. They also get a statement from Deborah. 
She told them she didn't see who he was talking to. She just heard them talking. And then it was gunshots. She didn't have a whole lot of information to give them. But she thought maybe it was a patient, a disgruntled patient. Michael did have quite a few lawsuits under his belt. He had about a lawsuit every year. Her crime beat medium under Joni E. Johnson, she said that he had about 12. On an episode of Snapped, a witness told the police that in the days leading to the shooting, she noticed the woman sitting in a little truck. The truck was backed into the parking spot and it just sat there. And she found this to be odd because this is a business center. People don't usually just come and hang out. She saw this truck numerous times at all different times. One day she was going to lunch at one o'clock and when she came out at five, the truck was still sitting there. There were times when she had to be in early and the car was sitting there then. So it was watching the building. She wasn't really able to see into the truck that well. The only thing that she could make out was that it was a woman. She was brunette and she had a round face. Other than that, she had nothing. She did tell police, though, that that truck was there the day of the shooting. Authorities got on the case ASAP. They had to check out this patient list. They had to see if they could cross them all off or if somebody was indeed their suspect. After three days, they got their answer. After going down the list provided by Deborah, they were able to cross nearly everybody off. Everybody had alibis that checked out. There was only one name left on the list. That name belonged to 48-year-old Teresa Ramirez. She was a former nurse at Kaiser Permanente Medical Center in Santa Rosa. She was an RN working at an orthopedic center. She was found to be very outspoken, but also very conservative. She loved layers. She dressed in layers all the time. So to say she didn't dress sexy is an understatement. She also didn't socialize. She just kept to herself. She went there to work, and that was it. In the episode of Snapped, one of her coworkers said that they worked in an office pretty much like right next door to her for 10 years, and she couldn't really say nothing about her. She, she knew nothing. Everybody thought she was pleasant, but she wasn't afraid to speak her mind. Police go to her home, hoping that they can talk to her, but she's not home. They leave their card so she can call them, but she never does. It was starting to be clear that she didn't want to talk with police, but all that did was make her a suspect even more. A call came in to 911 when a woman was found by staff cleaning a room at the Harbor Court Hotel in San Francisco. It appeared that she was in a diabetic coma. When police get on the scene, they go over the hotel room. They're trying to find out what's going on, see if they can find any medication. Is there something that this woman needs? Well, they find her purse. So they look in there to see if the medications are in there. And they didn't find any medication, but what they did find blew their mind. They found two guns. They found her wallet, which when they opened that, they found out that the woman was Teresa Ramirez. When they checked with the hotel records, that's not the name that she signed in with. She used an alias. They also found $5,000 in cash and a notebook that seemed to be her personal hit list. 
When they opened this notebook, it was a list of doctors. Dr. Tavis was number two on this list. They all had their own page because she kept such personal identifiers for each target. She had their addresses, their wife's names, car details, including their license plate numbers. They also found an Amtrak ticket going to another part of California. Well, since Michael was number two and he's dead, what happened with the guy who's number one? They go and check on Dr. Robert Fies. He was her number one. He was still alive and relieved that he was out of town on the day that Teresa went to his house. She showed up on his doorstep, but he wasn't there. He was a medical director for her insurance, and his job was pretty much to say either yes or no if people could have the surgery. He had to make sure that they were mentally capable. He received her surgery history, and he informed her that he was going to need clearance from a psychologist stating that she was okay to have another surgery because of her past surgeries. In 1988, Teresa was diagnosed with breast cancer in the right breast. In 1988, Teresa was diagnosed with breast cancer in the right breast. She decided that she was going to go and do a double mastectomy just out of fear that it might happen again. Her family history was very strong. All the women in her family had breast cancer. Dr. Michael Tavis was the first doctor. He's the one who did her surgery after her mastectomy. He had written in his medical records that she was a delightful 36-year-old. September, he agreed to remove her healthy remaining breasts, and in January, she reconstructed both with silicone implants. Painful scar tissue formed as a result, so he operated again so he could remove it. Not long afterward, Teresa complained that her implants were leaking and they were uneven in size. Dr. Tavis then performed another surgery. She still wasn't happy. While she was having her consult with Dr. Fies, he stated that she just completely flipped out. When Dr. Fies told her, you need to go talk to somebody because I need to know why you want to do this. And she told him, I'll show you why. And she started to like, <sighs> she took her hands to her shirt like she was about to expose herself. He told her, uh, this is inappropriate, and he asked her to leave. She absolutely refused to leave until he went to pick up his phone. So that's when she turned away and she walked out. All of the other doctors that had worked on her, they all refused to work on her again. She was never happy with her results. Dr. Tavis is the only one who really tried to make it right. He did it three times. He even thought about getting a restraining order on her because she would do crazy things like walk into his office and start yelling butcher. He had a waiting room full of patients. Altogether, Teresa had 13 breast surgeries. But in 1992, she was awarded $100,000 in damages after claiming that one of her breast implants was punctured when her pickup truck was rear-ended in a car accident. 
Dr. William Shaw said that her breasts, they looked fine. The accident did nothing to them. That ticket that they found in her bag was to take her to a location which was 10 minutes away. She was going there next. She was heading to doctor number three. That is just crazy. Kay Carter, she did survive, but unfortunately she passed away in 2012 from complications to her injuries. She was wheelchair bound and she was never able to speak again due to left brain damage. In February of 99, Teresa stood trial for the murder of Dr. Michael Tavis and the attempted murder of Kay Carter. Her defense attorney, Harry Allen, entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. He argued that Teresa didn't even remember the shooting. She suffered from a debilitating mental illness called body dysmorphic disorder. It's a psychiatric condition that involves a fixation with an imagined defect in their appearance, or it's a distorted view of one's body. This isn't someone just insecure and comparing themselves to others in a negative way. This is serious. This is where their delusions are so bad that it could actually affect their everyday life. It causes severe emotional distress and difficulty in daily functioning. Nearly 3 million Americans suffer from body dysmorphic disorder. Dr. Tavis wasn't the first plastic surgeon ever to be murdered by a patient, but it was with this disorder because usually body dysmorphic disorder, it doesn't lead to violence. It's not a violent disorder. You just hate yourself, nobody else. Her defense said that the disorder literally caused her to lose her mind. The bullets that were found at the crime scene They also matched the ballistics test when they tested the guns that were found in her purse. They had the witness stating that that pickup truck was there on the day of the shooting. They were able to show that Kay was killed first. So that meant Teresa hung out and she waited for them to get there. That's premeditated. It took the jury nine hours to find Teresa guilty of murder and attempted murder. She was sentenced to two consecutive life terms at California Valley State Prison. Teresa still continues to claim that she has no memory of the murders. And this never should have happened. This is a crazy case. Just to think how organized she was. She watched them. She watched all of them. That's why she had notes. What are your thoughts on this case? I'd love to have your comments. While you're listening, make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Leave a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. Head over to CrimeOverCocktails.com. There you can listen to the episodes, check out merch, or help support the show. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Love you, and we'll talk crime another time. Bye.